This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. My name is Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. My name is Lance, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 11 of the AMC series titled Back Doors. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic and by extension any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 2, Episode 11, so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. We're also g2tpodcast on Twitter. And you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast, much like these wonderful people did. Uh, Mike wrote in as he always does, uh, with a lot of fantastic points and longer points, but I wanted to pick this out of his email. He said, the difference between TV Jesse and book Jesse, as far as the quest for God is that book Jesse has the moral, it's the right thing to do reason while TV Jesse is more selfish, wondering why God has deserted him. His moral motive is there, but the personal aspect is overriding it right now, and once he faces those demons, so to speak, he will realize how selfish he is being, and his quest will remain, but his purpose will be different. I think that's probably a pretty good estimation as to what's going on between that difference there. Yeah, even in this episode, there's actually... That pretty much addresses that. Hair Stars made that connection with... with Jesse's life and it being a more personal quest for him, obviously. But and uh, and Tulip kind of calls him out on being selfish. Yeah, that too. Uh, so good point, Mike. Thank you very much. Uh, Bruce wrote in as well. He said the way to show uh, the way the show is driving a wedge between the main three is something I'm not entirely sure about. Is it feels a little closer to typical TV drama than what we're what they've been doing so far. I'm willing to give it a bit of a pass for now as we don't quite know where it's going and it's hardly the worst example I've seen of that sort of thing. I used to watch Arrow after all. I figured didn't I'd we all? Yeah. <laughs> Lance, did you watch any Arrow? I, I didn't, but um, you know, a friend of mine uh, described uh, the middle seasons of Arrow as, as great seasons, but not... Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but like first season I think he said was garbage and then like seeing... I season Nick and I, I think, okay. are of the other mind. Oh yeah, the first half of season one is pretty trashy, <laughs> yeah. but the second half is really good. The first half of season one has more source music than like MTV does. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, than like than like an underworld movie does. <laughs> oh man, it's got so much source music to the where the first, it's the first pilot could be its own, like the pilot could be its own soundtrack. It's only wow. it's only like <laughs> now that's what I call music. <laughs> I remember texting Alex and I'd be like, you guys have to watch the pilot of Arrow. There's so much source music. No, but uh, after the mid season break of season one, it, it gets really good. Yeah. Like it's a great season after that. And season two, top to bottom I thought was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it had three good villains, right? Something like that. It's just, everything's good. I mean yeah. the production value is like consistently solid for tv yeah uh they they know how to lean into like small sets but like you know just keep things dark and and work with what you have uh steven amell is very compelling throughout i think he's even good from the onset but he only gets better the thing that i liked the most about that era of arrow 
is uh, arrow, the arrow, fact arrow that, era. <laughs> the fact that they would deliver on questions. Yes. Like it felt like yep. they were answering questions they were raising at the beginning of the season, probably like six episodes in. Yeah. And it's it, good brisk TV. It was very satisfyingly yeah. paced for sure. But And it know. does have good villains and there's a little bit of schmaltz and some kind of stupid drama, but you, you kind of let it go because you're like, it's it's kind of part and parcel. Yep. You know, it just comes with it. But it's uh, it's a fun show. Honestly, I would recommend everybody watch season one of Arrow because you're in for a really fun... <laughs> like, If you know going into that the first half, the first like six or seven episodes are pretty doofy, but you kind of need them and you'll laugh along with it and just stick through because it's worth it. Yeah. But then season three, I watched the first half and I was like, I don't think this is for me anymore. Season three is only worth watching if you're going to watch The Flash as well. And yeah. by then, The Flash had come out and The Flash is way better. Yeah, yeah. that's what I heard. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, the pilot of the Flash is nuts. It's so good. We'll save that for the CW. Uh, yes, our, CW our giant CW verse. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't wait up for that. One. <laughs> Bruce also wrote the intro with the Jesus sex and the scene with Humperdue just show that Rogan and Co are willing to go places that nobody thought they would. And on basic cable too. This is especially amusing since HBO supposedly killed their own attempt as a preacher series over the religious aspects of the plot. Yeah. Also, the idea of Judas waiting with the getaway donkeys was just hilarious to me. I thought that was pretty good as well. So thank you, Bruce, for writing in. And then uh, Original Joseph wrote in um, with a pretty long email, but I do want to read it all. So I'll get on with it now. Hey, Alex, I wish that I had written in after watching Dirty Little Secret because it made me update my thoughts on the show's Jesse mo- or on show Jesse's motivation. And then you guys open the show with that. Here are a couple thoughts to take or leave. Uh, regarding religion. First, I think you guys and Seth Rogen are missing something about how I think most modern Christians see religion. Both Catholic and Protestants uh, have really strong themes about surrendering ultimate control to God, admitting that your life isn't something that's ever going to be under your control, and deciding to have faith uh, that while God's plan is never understandable, that he's ultimately in control and acting out of love. If you don't believe me, go watch The Shack when that movie comes out. It was the biggest hit ever among Christians, and that's exactly what it's about. So my guess is that your average American Christian just wouldn't believe that they had been abandoned by God. If they had learned that the angels were real and that the angels didn't know where God was, they would assume it was some part of God's plan or even a test. Both the Old Testament and the New are full of this. God commands Abraham to kill Isaac and then takes it back. He lets Satan absolutely fuck up Job. He not only lets Jacob steal... Esau? Yeah. Esau's birthright, but actually showers blessing on Jacob and his descendants. And then Jesus shows up and tells parable after parable like uh, like the prodigal son, each of which says you're not in charge and you don't get to decide what get to decide what's fair. God is and does and you need to stop telling God what to do and start trusting what he knows. So if I learned that God was hiding from the angels, I'd update my beliefs to add that I know uh, to add that I now had evidence that angels, God, heaven and hell were probably real. But I'd still have faith that wherever God was and whatever he was doing, it was probably still for the best. You can see some of that with Jesse, who's desperate to believe that Genesis uh, is part of some sort of larger plan. And not just a weird thing that happened because God decided not to pay attention. On Jesse's motivation, I guess we can stop there real quick. Do you guys have any other thoughts on that religious stuff? I think that's fantastic. It's yeah. great, yeah. That's why I felt the need to really write in because I... None of us are particularly religious people at the moment, or, or you know. But I grew up Catholic, and I should have known how to say Esau, but I didn't. 
<laughs> but I also having, grew up Catholic, and and I this is what I did recently. I I wanted to read the Bible. And so I found a children's book with pictures on the Bible, <laughs> just because I knew it was shorter and yeah. a little more simpler. Uh, more simpler. More simpler, you, yeah. You, 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 you made the right everybody? decision there. Uh, <laughs> a little simpler to, to grasp. And you know what? It actually wasn't much much simpler to grasp, because like it was still kind of like, you left, that left parts out, of course. Yeah, I feel like the yeah. omission of a lot of important yeah. information yeah. is there. And yeah. It just tries to cut to the moral. But, but the pictures were nice. That's good. I think that's a really interesting observation about the uh, the state of Jesse's mind and maybe where Jesse is as a uh, as a character. And this is, I think, where some of my comic background has clouded my judgment a little bit because I know the book's details about God and God's thoughts and feelings. And we've talked about this on the show, how he's kind of like, well, I don't like where things are headed, so I'm out of here. Yeah. And Jesse kind of has hinted at that as well on the show. But I think if Jesse, in the wake of uh, the Carlos stuff and everything with Tulip, that he probably did say, you know what? The only way eventually that he could kind of rectify this whole thing in his mind is maybe to just give it up and say, like, I don't have control over any of this shit. I'm, I'm not in control of my life or my destiny. And, and so maybe in that regard, he did go, you know, full uh, Catholic. Or I guess he's not Catholic. What, what denomination is Jesse in this? He seems kind of Baptist y. Being from the south, yeah, I can't. I wasn't. Is uh, I guess it was All Saints Congregation. Was there anything on the sign that meant that mentioned what? Yeah, there was all kinds of stuff on the sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the description that Joseph's giving of like, uh, in his words, I think he said like modern Christian who is following that belief that you know you ha- you don't have control and you have to just give up control to God and understand that He has a plan. If that's the way Jesse's acting, or if that's how he is kind of governed by that belief system now, that's that's pretty interesting. And I could see why he's so irritating to Tulip sometimes because she is obviously the polar opposite of that. Yeah. However, I think what we would see, you know, to go back to that idea of if this did happen, if if we found out on Earth that you know God was gone, I think we would see we would still see a lot of the reaction that we've been talking about. Yeah. Even from like true religious folk, because I think there is a difference between those who walk the walk and talk the talk and those who don't. So those who, or even people who might think that they have that level of faith, but they don't because we're as humans, very good at tricking ourselves into believing things if it makes us feel better. Oh yeah. And so I think that there would be true believers who would say that's okay. Like it's all part of his plan or true deniers as people would uh, you know the clash between uh, humans would would become horrible as well because you'd have people saying like you're just delusional like god has clearly left us and th- those people would be panicking and freaking out and that would be like some of the stuff like we saw in anvil where maybe they were churchgoers but they turned into scum anyway yeah and what we would probably see as he's describing like true believers just say it's all good we're good well but there's also those people like I guess that's the thing is that in the show we've got somebody like Eugene and we have somebody like Mike earlier in this season that say that it feels like God isn't listening anymore. So there are people like that once learning that God is no longer there and then they can confirm with their own experience of like, oh, it hasn't felt like he's been there. Mm. I think that could maybe be what leads to Anvil, like the people in Anvil. Yeah. 
going full debauchery. Like, he's actually not there. They don't know where he is. But, yeah, and, and that's not to say that in Joseph's interpretation of things or thoughts about things that there wouldn't be people there that are like, well, this is a test. Because that could still fall into that category. But my guess is that, like, in some world where you can feel whether or not God is listening. Yeah. Like, I think that also adds another layer of different uh, reaction to that news. Sure. So That's part of what makes, I think, religion such an endlessly debated subject yeah. is that ultimately how you believe is how you believe and why you believe that way is why you believe that. And uh, it's the reason that it, the debate will never end. Yeah. You know? Have you guys seen Re- Religulous? Bill Maher's Religulous? No. Yeah. No. It's a pretty good movie. It's, um, I think I rented it like eight times when I worked at the video <laughs> store, but never. Yeah. Oh, same yeah. with Jesus Camp. I rented that a bunch of times too. Yeah. You can watch that. Oh, yeah. I heard that was also very interesting. Yeah, give it, give it a watch because there's one scene in particular where, you know, he's just arguing with some girl in some shop or something like that. And she's like, I know God is there. And then he's like, how do you know? He's like, how do you know? And then she's like, because I know. And that's all this lady's saying. And she just keeps on going back and forth. And I know, I know he's there. I know it. And now you have Jesse who like knows that God isn't there. Yeah. And that's what, and that's the crisis that he's going through. Yeah. So like knowing in your heart is one thing, but knowing for a fact is another, you know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. The description sounds so mean. It sounds like (laughs) such a mean, because I know he's making fun of her. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that you're supposed to laugh at her, but you're kind of like, well, you know, Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, what's ultimately there's no purpose. Yeah. Like debating, uh, unless that person's belief is causing them to you know harm someone in some way. But other than that, let them think what they want to think. You know. It's, yeah, he know. definitely made fun of her a lot. It's being like, "What have you seen him? Have you? Is, does he write you letters? Stuff like that." So yeah. He's definitely, Bill Maher's very antagonistic. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. It's a good way to put it. Uh, so Joseph goes on to say, Jesse's motivations. My guess prior to Dirty Little Secrets was that Jesse wants God in charge because he wants there to be a, per- a reason for living and he wants the good rewarded and the evil punished. He has a lot of contempt for evildoers, including Cassidy and Tulip and probably himself. So I'm reading uh, him as wanting there to be justice in the universe and probably wanting to believe that he himself will be punished for praying for his father's death. I think he's outraged at some level that he could do something that left him feeling so guilty and that there's no way for him to process that guilt unless there's someone to hold him accountable then presumably forgive him. After Dirty Little Secrets, I think there's also a strong theme that Jesse sees God as filling the same role as his father did, telling him what is right and wrong, comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable, etc. That's that's sort of the same thing, but it's much more critical of religion. In other words, Jesse needs God not because he needs actual God, but because he needs a father. And without his actual father, he turns to God. That would be consistent with the theme of divine fallibility uh, that we've seen since season one. If the angels are screw-ups and hell has technical problems and Jesus' descendant on earth is Humperdue, then the story isn't necessarily about Jesse realizing that God isn't what he wants, but instead what he needs... But it's about Jesse realizing that his father is a fallible person, and apparently so is God. That's a very Fight Club sentence right there. (laughs) Uh, The journey of a young man realizing that his parents are people and not gods is a decent story, but it's fundamentally critical of religion because it implies that religion is a lie we need to tell ourselves until we are mature enough to handle the truth, even if it ends with Jesse in an adult relationship with God, the way we all hope to be with our parents or our kids. 
The journey of a young man realizing that he needs to trust God is fundamentally sympathetic to religion since it ends with Jesse respecting God as God uh, rather than as a peer. I think you could tell either story well, but my guess is that they're headed towards the first one. And then he wrote in an additional two times. He said, to add a little bit more, now that I've heard the rest of the podcast, I'm not sure why people aren't protesting. I don't think Christ's descend, descendant being an inbred idiot is any worse a comment on religion than the original idea that heaven is working directly with a murderous organization like the Grail for what that's worth. Also, I want to write a defense of the Victor story. I think that maybe uh, because I'm not looking forward to the upcoming story moments and I don't have a developed vision of the characters, I thought that it was really good, but I'll save that for a week where I have less to write. And then he wrote in that third time and said, okay, <laughs> last one. Wow, I feel like I nailed Jesse in my pre-show email. Now that I've seen Backdoors, number one, I love that the show keeps going deeper into who Jesse is and each time recontextualizes him and causes me to reinterpret him without contradicting anything I've seen before. I love it. But I wonder how many more times they can do it. I feel like it's forcing Tulip and Cassidy's development into the margins. The Denise storyline is, is fascinating, but it feels like they're stalling it. And I then he said, that. yeah. As number, uh, number two, as your religious listener, let me say the one, the one that we have out there. Thank you for being <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't, know, I don't know about most of the other people that listen. But he says, as your religious listener, let me say that the tape scene was jaw-dropping. It's such a violation to take something so intimate and private and share it with an organization as corrupt as the Grail. Then it means that heaven itself is essentially corrupt. I'm honestly fascinated to find out where the story is going. Very cool. Fantastic points, Joseph. I, it was so good that I, that I just had to go through all of it because it, it puts a lot of points together that we couldn't have put together, the three of us. And it just, I don't know, I think it's a very unique perspective. Absolutely. I think he made a great point uh, about Jesse's relationship with God and, and in some ways being like a lot of, a lot of ours that, uh, you have that father figure, so to speak there to kind of absorb the blows for you and help you make decisions until you come of age and can do that for yourself. Yeah. And I think that that is, I don't want to say unfortunately or fortunately, I can't weigh in either way, but I think that's the way religion is for a lot of us. I feel like a lot of people grow up going to church when you're like, when you're like a little kid because your parents feel like they need to instill that in you because it was instilled in them when they were kids. But yeah. the purpose doesn't necessarily mean continuing on in that relationship as you mature and come of age. It's almost like a springboard into like making good decisions and helping people Having who a are conscience needy. and yes. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, if if that helps people build a build that into their character, but I I think it's admirable to continue that in, into adulthood if that speaks to you. And yeah. I think that a lot of people get ashamed and they get turned away from religion because they think like it's uncool or uh, they think it's it's unwise to not be more engaged in your life directly or think like you know your decisions have ramifications that can't just be like wished or wished away or prayed away, so to speak. So it is interesting. And I I really am glad we have a listener who is um, our religious listener, as he says. Yes. He'll be able to provide some more insight down the line. Yeah. I mean, I think religion is one of those things that with your friends and your peers, it sneaks up on you. You don't necessarily know their religious background. You don't know how involved they or their family or their friends are in church. Yeah, that's true. That's that's very true. I mean, I I 
When I was in college and I was discovering Reddit and all that kinds of crap, I would probably describe myself more as like a militant atheist in the lightest manner that I possibly could. And I would get into arguments because you're that dude who's had just like a touch of like knowledge and logic and sense and that kind of thing. And like nowadays I've softened on that quite a bit just in terms of like figuring out even in terms of like astrology and people that talk about crystals and they get the acupuncture done and everything like that. I'm like, if it has meaning to me, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about it. And I think that's true of religion. I think that's true of a lot of things. And so I, you know, it, I'm happy that I've backed away from my pike and from your, your edge Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not, it's not worth anybody's time to listen to me or to, have to argue of their own thoughts on those kinds of things. So. I remember when I created my Reddit account in 2000 and maybe nine, something like that. Yeah. And it automatically subscribes you to atheism, to many subreddits and atheism, atheism yeah. is one of them. And not I, anymore now, I think I but. immediately unsubscribed from it because I was like, this <laughs> is outrageous. Yes. I was like, nobody who posts on this can ever get angry at a, at a Christian or anybody religious for wanting to talk about their belief because I'm like, you are 10 times worse mm-hmm. and 10 times pushier than anyone I've ever met because you're rude. Yep. A lot of religious folks, if they want to talk to you, say, you know what? I'm just, I'm good. I'm not interested. Thank you for your time. We'll move along. Mm-hmm. But these people... Like it was their mission to try to be mean and act smarter than people. And I was like, whoa, guy. Like this, it was just crazy. I've never been so repulsed from an online community as I have been. You know, Grand Theft Auto Online has gotten close. But uh, (laughs) these people are, they were, it was unreal. And I've never gone back to even like out of curiosity because I'm like, it's just what a mess. And, that that's the unfortunate thing. I think a lot of people on both sides. I think a lot of religious people too condescend non-believers. Yeah, but it's it's just it's horrible when it. It's fun to talk about and and say like I believe this because X and and you know, in a in a polite, uh, forum. Yeah, but people take it so personally and they mm-hmm. try to try to win the argument and like religion and politics are the, there's a reason those are the two things you don't talk about at parties because yes. you're never going to win. Nope. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter. Yep. For sure. I could still learn it in the politics, uh, the politics. Sphere, well, you but. know, mm-hmm. these days the, the <laughs> line, the line between right and wrong is becoming more clear. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, clearer than it ever was. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a, that's a podcast for another day. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's for, that's for when we're the Midwest politics. 15 years from now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I tried to goad Tim into starting a politics podcast with me, and he said, "Not in a million years." Oh yeah, awesome. <laughs> and I totally understand. But yeah, anyway, well, no, those are great, great emails. Yes, though, and, uh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. Uh, without any further ado, let's get into the episode. In the teaser, we finally see the source of the ominous sound cue whenever Jesse sees something about Angelville. It's a crank being used to pull a coffin out of an algae-filled lake. Two men open up the coffin to reveal teenage Jesse, who is pulled out to kneel before a woman, potentially his grandmother. Uh, She asks Jesse what his name is, and he replies Jesse, uh, but she wants him to say his last name. He spitefully says Custer, and the woman orders him back into the coffin. Obviously, we find out later that it was his grandmother, but even then, I kind of assumed that it was. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we finally know what that was. As soon as it showed it, what did you think? 
I was like, well, yeah, of course. That's what. Like, the problem is, like, thinking of it as a crank. Like, because you were like, you know what that noise is. You just haven't yeah. made that connection. For yeah. some reason, I was not like, like, I wanted a different word for it or something. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what, what I've been hearing. And so it's not. You know, I don't I don't necessarily feel stupid, but it's kind no, of no, 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 no. It was a weird. Um, the answer was more simpler than you thought. N- no, more it's, it's not. Simpler. It's not that it was more simpler, but it was kind of just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ride that one out for a while. So. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, I, I guess I guess that is it in a way. It's not that, like I, I, maybe I was thinking it's got to be more than just the crank. It's like <laughs> what's like being a hand cranked. Winch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. So anyway. This was so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I got here's. I told this story. And it to looked Lance. crude too, which which I love too. Yeah, it looked oh, really yeah. bad yeah. and like gross. Like that film had been lost for yeah. in the in the dust for years, yeah. and then cleaned up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah. Um, the I I was so the reason this episode is late is because I was dealing with a flooded basement, which is nothing in comparison to what's going on with the hurricane in Texas right now. So I'm not complaining <laughs> about that in any way, shape, or form. Oh, I man. just had to be a little late on the podcast. That's but, funny. Yeah, when I when I said to uh, yesterday, uh, my fiance was like, "Are you doing the podcast?" And I was like, "No, no, we're postponing it today." She's like, "Why? What's going on?" I said, "Oh, Alex's basement flooded." And she said, "Call Houston." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I didn't even think about that. But yeah. yeah, I'll tell Alex. Never mind. We're podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, anyway, I was downstairs pumping water out of the basement, and I checked my my watch. I saw that I got a notification. It was an email from Mike that just had this. Let me let me read you what the subject line was. Yeah, it's just Y with a bunch of A's and two exclamation points. And then the, the body says the coffin. Yeah. Goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. And that was as soon as the episode started. <laughs> like It was at like 9.05. So he, he ruined like it for you is what you're saying. I, a little bit. But I was like, OK, I've clearly like it's the beginning of the episode. It's not like it's really that much of a spoiler. I saw that one drop into and I didn't watch it yet. And I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. But uh, yeah, no. I, I still don't know what it means, really. Like, obviously, it's it's Jesse's maternal grandmother, her f- like that family breaking him. But I don't know for what purpose. We'll get there. Yeah, I'm sure we will. But yeah, I can't wait yeah, for, for Angelville, sure. for more Angelville. Like yeah. the the coffin, and they man, did they ever? It was just it was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. How what was it? Did it seem like picture perfect or is it like a good interpretation of the coffin? Or? Yeah. You know, yeah. The, it, there's a, there's a Jesse, there's an aspect of Jesse's characterization that's been missing from the show thus far. And we're not going to get it at all, at all at this point. Hmm. We've talked about it in the past, but I don't want to really mention it now, but it's really sucky that it's not there because it plays into the coffin stuff a little bit. Hmm. And uh, we'll we'll talk about it further down the line, maybe at the season wrap up or something, if I remember, which I won't because I don't remember things. <laughs> I'll so. try. I'll try to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was very cool though. It was cool to finally get that payoff. Yeah, I was like, thank God it wasn't in like the season finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Lance, any thoughts on the coffin? Oh no, it's great. I mean, yeah. This yeah. is also great uh, background for viewers that haven't read the book because you know that Jesse's been through some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, obviously with his dad getting shot in front of him, kind of big deal. Him but, praying to make it happen, even yep. as we'll deal with later. And, yeah. but I mean, this 
this coffin like torture. Yeah. It's actually way worse in the book too. Like he comes out of that coffin in the show looking like he maybe got a little sweaty down there. But like yeah. they in the book the the duration of time he's down there for is alarming and he's underwater. I mean it's it's sealed. I, actually in the show I was like that thing doesn't look like it would be watertight. No. But in the book <laughs> yeah. they do a better job of like showing yeah. you know exactly the situation you see the tubes down there to feed air to him and shit. But uh in the scene where, where Tulip and Cassidy are kind of yelling at him, they're kind of ganging up on him and saying, like, you know, what have you, what have, what they say, like, what have you lost or something like that? Yeah. What have you had to deal with? And I was like, this just goes to show you that you don't necessarily know, in general, what other people have been through. But I was like, they don't, they don't know the horrors that Jesse endured as a boy. And he just, like, he just takes it in the show, which I think is cool. And we'll talk, I guess we'll, we'll get to that scene. Yeah. Yeah, but like the show, as gross as it was in the show, it still felt kind of clean compared to the book. Yeah, like I like obviously like I assume that he was down there for a while. I guess you don't really know, but Mm -hmm. the like you know his shirt was a little yellowed. But I was like, clearly there are things that would occur in that coffin that all the they would probably want Mm -hmm. to show, but then got notes that were like, you need to dial this back a bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that. I'm glad that the 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 moment resolved itself in the episode that yeah. you see him finally just say Langell and like they move on because yeah. I was like let's just you know we we introduced it let's get going mm-hmm. so it was uh, that was awesome yeah. yeah a great way to start what do you think of the two the two guys that are there yeah we don't we don't I don't yeah. we we don't really get much of them no but yeah. you know they. <laughs> Lance, Lance and I have talked about yeah. this multiple times after yeah. recording how we can't yeah. can't <laughs> wait for these two characters. Do you think we're gonna? I I kind of almost get the indication, like the fact that we don't see any faces. I don't think they're gonna get cast until season. They'll three. be cast for season three, okay. and these are the kind of guys where when they announce so and so has been cast in preacher season three, we will immediately know. <laughs> yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll know immediately. <laughs> And Lance, Lance has some fan casting ideas that are very good. We, oh, yeah. we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, I think. And uh, for some reason, like I was thinking of the, um, the, for the grandma, there's a woman that plays, she's in so many movies and I don't know her name, but I immediately thought of somebody. You already began casting this was role? Was it Beth Grant? Yes. For some reason, Beth Grant is the person that I was thinking. I know who that is. Would be the grandmother. Oh, okay. oh she's from. Uh, she's in Donnie Darko. She's mm-hmm. in. Um, yeah, that would be pretty good, actually. No Country. She's in Rain Man. Yeah, yeah. She's in yeah. lots of stuff. For some sure. reason, she was the first person that popped into yeah. my head. But yeah. yeah, it's funny because his grandma wouldn't be that old because he's a boy. Yeah. So she probably would be like. I mean, she's not going to be like an eighty-year-old lady, right? At least then. Mm. So she would be like. I don't know. What would, what, 60s, 60s, 60s. 60-ish. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, the, there's some of that casting stuff is, is going to be exciting to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. <laughs> and then cutting, obviously, to the to the, the truck getting hauled out and Jesse just kind of watching it and you could tell he's like reminiscing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's an act one. So that was after the commercial break. Oh, okay. But, oh, I'm sorry, Alex. No, it's okay. Go right ahead. Act one, uh, an angry tulip chastises Jesse as the Soko shot is pulled out of the swamp. Jesse put it in, 
Jesse insists that the saint would never be able to escape, but upon peering into and opening the Sokosha, the saint seems to have gotten away. Hoover and Featherstone walk into Hare Star's office as he finishes listening to tapes with Jesse's name on them. Star explains that the Messiah is a moron and that he wants to replace the Messiah with Jesse. Hoover doesn't believe that he's the man for the night. Uh, Hoover and Featherstone kind of take the, their new mission as in step, of course. Uh, but then Hoover doesn't believe that he's the man for the next task that he's been given. While Hairstar agrees, Hoover is all that he has for this job. Uh, Tyler is screened via a polygraph type machine to understand if he should be in hell or not. The superintendent lackadaisically dismisses him and then receives a call from New Orleans about the saint. Potentially from the grail is my guess there. And Eugene tries to warn Tyler that nobody is getting out of hell, but he decides that he wants to have, or Tyler decides he wants to have fun and uh, requests that he pull the caveman off of the TV for his last night. So, yes, Jesse clearly reliving at the swamp. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's the same swamp? Like, it, he, we saw that he was traveling, like, passing into Angelville on the freeway when he originally went there. I guess does it matter or not? No, I, I geographically, it's I'm sure it's all one big swamp. There's a question I could ask, but I will not ask it because I don't. I, it would be spoilery, but okay. Just I, I I will I will not look at you guys as to say this, but the idea of whether or not the grandma and presumably the uncles are still around, I we don't know that yet, but okay, we'll see. Um, the saint not being there. What did you guys expect? I expected I knew, him to be there, to yeah. be honest with you. No, I knew he wasn't going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's, he's going to get out. Yeah. But how he got out, I didn't know. Yeah. I just figured he'd rip his way out. <laughs> That's all I thought. They'd yeah. pull it out. They'd start to raise it out, and it would just be yeah. ripped open from the yeah. Melted through the bottom yeah. of it somehow. Yeah. Though it's pretty, anger. I think it's awesome. I, I Honestly, I expected him to be in there and Jesse to have to use the word on him and say, get out and all that and blah, yeah blah, blah. i was i was looking forward to some kind of confrontation and when he wasn't there i was like oh got him <laughs> dang did you, did you get any indication about the people that were like excavating the yeah like i felt i thought that they like for some reason it struck me as like i feel like these are navy seals that jesse like conscripted with the word <laughs> yeah, they, they were, were just, underwater police and, divers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But I it, assume he just went even, to the police station again and said, follow me. Yeah, he prob- probably does that all the time. Now. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess that's kind of the way that they wanted you to think of it, too, because when they cut to when they open, you see the swamp and then you see these people in this diver gear coming out. It was a cool shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then obviously you realize what's going on. Yeah. So. You know, I, I'm going to say something real quick here about um, like screenwriting in general or yeah. just writing. So like. Did you see Thank You for Smoking? You guys see that movie? Oh, yeah. yeah. A while yeah. ago. But. Yeah. So, like, remember when, like, they had to explain something, like, on the moon or something like that? Like, wasn't Aaron Eckhart working with Rob Lowe on, like, a movie or something? And and then, um, like, Smoking on the Moon or something like that. It was, like, a it was like part of a movie. Um, I, this is going somewhere, I promise. <laughs> so, um, where, where uh, Aaron Eckhart's like, how are we going to explain that smoking on the moon is possible? And then Rob Lowe goes, well, we'll, we'll just have a part in the script that says, thanks for inventing the thing, you know, <laughs> like, like, so I feel like this show invented the thing that explains everything that how Jesse gets stuff done. It's like, it's like basically he just uses the word on anybody that he can to like do something for him. Yeah. And then like. And then after it's done, he's like, forget about, forget all this happened, you know? So like, we, we said that too. Yeah, I remember a couple yeah. of weeks ago, we were like, yeah. they've, 
That's very what the cleverly voice. have just been like, yep, and now, yeah. yeah. What now? Jesse uses the word. Yes. To yeah. Yep. Do the thing. Insert in script. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. For, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> but yeah, he probably <laughs> just went recall. to a, a tow truck company and was like, "You're going to help me out." Yeah. And then like, and then like, once, they, <laughs> once they were done, it's like, okay, you forget it. Yeah. Thank you for smoking. Is a great movie. It's great. Glad you mentioned yeah. that. That's that a is. really really funny movie. Yeah. Again, Aaron Eckhart. He's one of those guys. Should be a movie star and yet is just on the cusp of glory yes. as we've, a phrase we've used quite a bit yes and he keeps being in these stupid movies mm. i don't know I, he's got he's got to fire his agent yeah hire rob Lowe as his agent for <laughs> <laughs> sure uh hoover and featherstone was there anything else at the swamp no uh hoover and featherstone Taking the the mission in stride seems exactly what I expected them to do. Yeah, you can see Featherstone's crush on her star mm-hmm. starting to emerge. It's, yeah, it's happening. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's happening. He's the peak of masculinity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes. The the Hoover's comeuppance for the for the prostitutes was pretty good. Him just being being like, "Would you like me to get a refund?" And yeah. there's like, "I'm like," and then he's like, well, "The tarp." Then, and then yeah. he goes to pull it out. That was yeah. fantastic. Would you like me to get a refund? <laughs> I find it interesting that they keep that hair star keeps on struggling with this thing. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you would struggle with it if it was a traumatizing experience, but it keeps on coming up, and he's he's kind of grip like trying to trying to understand what it all means, you know. In the book, he kind of, um, it's very comical, but I think here he's actually like, like thinking, oh my God, like what, what happened to me? Yeah. 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 He almost had a religious experience and he's trying to process Yeah, because he keeps on the one hand, he keeps talking about how it was awful. And on the other hand, he's like, but I had this moment of clarity. I had this, he appreciates the awakening, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't sexual in nature. It was just like, it was very, it is strange because. Like I, like I said initially, he seems to almost like play off the incident as though it's just an inconvenience. And he continually keeps talking about how it was like the worst thing ever and he will never forget it. And But yet he's doing he's describing in a way that's almost comical. Yeah. Yeah. Hoover's great anyway. Yeah, Hoover was <laughs> Hoover's so quite funny. good. Yeah, and I wrote down the line uh, when Hoover voices his concern. Hairstar says, I'm sure you're not like he's like, I'm not sure I'm the right person. <laughs> Hairstar says, I'm sure you're not, but the smart one is busy and you're all that I have left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In that regard, is he referring to Featherstone, the smart one? Yes. Okay. That, yeah, that's what I assumed. Gotcha. Um, I wonder where everyone else is. In terms of... Well, I mean, the rest of the grail. The rest of the grail? Okay. I was thinking from like a... like It, may, it would make sense to me from a budgetary point mm-hmm. that they probably are just... You well, know. in the book, there's a reason it's just the two of them working with him. Okay. And in the show, it that may be the reason, and Star already knows it, and we just don't. Okay. We'll yeah, have, and I we guess... We have to like, let the season play out before we can come back around to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Any other thoughts on Hoover and Featherstone? I love... I love everything and anything Grail in this show. Every time there's a scene with them, I just get very excited. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just can't wait... Mm-hmm. And I, it's like the opposite of the way I feel about hell. I mean, it gets to that stuff. I'm kind of, that's usually when I'm like, suddenly I was looking at my phone and I didn't realize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of hell, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So what what did you guys get out of what that examination was? Like they're showing images that are meant to disturb or I don't think all of them are meant to disturb, though. I think that they're meant to elicit some sort of emotion, yeah. like any sort of emotion, whether it be like because some of them are like nice things. I guess like is it like a sociopathic detector or something like that Probably. to figure out if you can empathize? Or... I'll, I'll bet it is rooted in something. From from the real world, although <laughs> hmm. when when Eugene takes it in the last image is Tom Brady, Tom, uh, yeah. yeah, I thought that was so good. <laughs> yeah. What? How will this make you feel? <laughs> well, and that's the one where it starts to waver too, mm. and the superintendent's like about to say something, yeah. and then she gets interrupted by that. Them. Was so funny, but uh, yeah, I am curious about that. And had I had time to go back and watch the, I was trying to remember, I was trying to to remember the sequence to to try to realize or to try to discern if it like spelled something out or like mm-hmm. if there was like a theme to it, but I, it, uh, yeah, they seem very random. Yeah. Yeah, they do. But yeah, I would love to hear more about that. I'm sure there's a topic on the subreddit about it. Yeah, that's true. We'll have to, I I'll generally to avoid research. the preacher subreddit because I don't want my thoughts to be influenced by stuff other people say, and I don't want to steal other people's thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to be wholly original yep. yeah, you got for all these listeners, but also, uh, Sometimes it gets a little spoilery. Yeah, if I haven't watched yet, or if you know the next week on people talk about yes. that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I also I stay away from there mostly for yeah comic spoilers. The Twin Peaks at the end of a is season. awful. This everyone posts like things on there that it's like, man, I, I didn't get to that episode yet. The Twin Peaks one, <laughs> the Twin Peaks subreddit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what though, the the greatest honeypot of them all was the Westworld subreddit because man, I would I found myself not being able to look away. Like I was like I the. The show is so fascinating that I have to read what other people are thinking because I can't process my own feelings right yeah. now. I need other people to do it for me. When you said Westworld, I thought you said West Wing for some reason. <laughs> yes. I just, I'm on a Rob Lowe kick. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. No, I agree about that one as well. Uh, any other thoughts on Act 1? Did I say West Wing? I may have. You might have said West Wing. I don't Wing. think I did, though. This Nick, is like Paul Bluegrass. Nick meant Westworld, but anyway. Uh, I, I I don't I don't I don't think you did. I think you said Westworld, okay. and I just honestly heard West Wing. <laughs> That's awesome. We both have a habit of doing that. Yeah, we m- swap Mishear out words. Something funnier. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Hell is kind of hard to care about, especially because we kind of figured out where we thought it was going pretty early on with the assistance of of Mike and some of our conversations, but. Yeah, it's so far. I mean, I'm I'm glad for the breaks we get from it, but it yeah. feels like not a lot has happened. Like we keep getting some time in hell, and we're still approximately where we were earlier in the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that may just be because we went a few episodes without much happening there. It could totally yeah, be that. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, act two: Jesse faces a reckoning with Tulip and Cassidy about his quest for God and the Saint of Killers. Tulip questions Jesse's motivations, and Jesse retorts, calling Tulip selfish, sending Tulip off, and explaining that everything they've done has been for Jesse. Uh, and then an argument about the dog that Cassidy got for Dennis sparks Jesse's epiphany. The drawings in Humperdoo's notebook resembled the dog from the sex show earlier in the season. So Jesse heads back to the dog show and finds that there's an empty couch. Yeah, so I uh, initially, my reading of this uh, uh, of this scene 
I wasn't even thinking of the fact that Jesse had experienced trauma, as you brought up earlier. And the idea that right now in the moment and what we've been presented with, despite having that teaser with the coffin, I was like, yeah, Tulip, you're totally right. You guys are doing everything for Jesse, but it's not like Jesse hasn't experienced terrible things in his life. Yeah. And Tulip knows that, too, mm. but she's not putting two and two together. Like, she's not... She's not as privy, like, she, she's, Hairstar's got the, like, very personal prayers that he's been able to hear and listen to, whereas Tulip, I assume, knows that Jesse's father's died, like, she's not even thinking, like, she's not, she's clearly, like, she's, she's not even portrayed as, like, intelligent enough to connect the dots that it's, that God's, like, a father figure for Jesse, as Joseph brought up. So, like, I, I, I don't necessarily know where I'm going with this, but I think it's just kind of like a, like, it's interesting to try and understand where she's coming from in that, yeah. in that moment, because all we've seen is, is Jesse, like, dismissing her and going to do his own thing. Pretty much, yeah. And that looks and sounds to, I don't know, like, right now, as we even talk about this, I'm kind of like, maybe this is kind of worth the journey that we've been going on with all of this. Mm-hmm. But... I'll give it a couple more episodes yeah. and maybe I can talk about it more in the season wrap up. But what what did you guys think of, of the drama here? I know we've been tired of the of the apartment, but what mm-hmm. what Lance, what are your thoughts? Everyone's tired of the apartment apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they all want to get they out. They all want to go to uh, Bimini. Um Yeah, Bimini, yeah. Yeah, it kind of it kinda of go I I didn't think I think they tried to be quick with everything. And it kind of came off a little bit amateur with kind of like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. And then like she starts packing right away. And then like, like Cassidy's like, like, I'm also, I also want to go. And like, it just kind of felt um, not something like professional. What what I'm trying to say is like the, the, the craft behind the show. Like, yeah, didn't, didn't really register with me as like, this is realistic, you know? Um, so Go, go, going back to what you said about like Tulip and Jesse and how she might not know. She she does know that he's gone through some, some horrible stuff in his life, but maybe she doesn't care. The scene that happens uh, at the junkyard later on in this episode, I think she talks about him. Yes, to she Lara, does. Yep. Featherstone and, um, or uh, what's Jenny. Her? Jenny. And um, says a few things about him, but yeah, maybe she's not considerate of him, but you gotta, you gotta, think too how how considerate has he been of her he, yeah he's yeah. been he's been a pretty big dick this yeah. season yeah. so but i i i really reacted well to as a viewer reacted well to cassidy finally just being like oh you mean dennis the one you wouldn't help like i was like oh finally that that's gonna come out you know yeah so and i, I like yeah. i was disappointed that it gets undercut with jesse's epiphany yeah. like yeah, I, I wanted more of yeah. that to kind of be like mm-hmm. Like that, I I hope that still comes to some kind of head. Yeah, definitely. It has, maybe yeah. it's brewing, and 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 it, it'll it'll come for it'll be brought up again for yeah. sure. Because maybe something's gonna happen with the Cassidy Dennis thing, and then and then it's all just gonna be out there. Yeah. Nick, what'd you think? I think what we're seeing is three very damaged people, and in a lot of TV shows, you. 
I think we we generally see more of like one heavily damaged person and then some more uh, well-rounded people that are a little yeah. more balanced that can S- offer support and yeah and that that uh kind of even things out a bit and yeah. it's frustrating to watch them interact because they all clearly need to talk to each other but nobody's talking to each other and it, uh, the juxtaposition of i don't know why i froze mid-word i was like <laughs> trying to remember the rest of my thought the the juxtaposition between what Tulip does and doesn't know about Jesse. And I, I don't think she knows that stuff. I think she knows about Jesse's life as a boy when he lived with her in Anvil. And then I think he moved away for 10 years or more. And then they reunited later on down the road. Okay. I firmly believe she doesn't know about what went down in Angelville. Okay. And yeah, otherwise yeah. she would say, why are we in new Orleans next door to Angelville? Okay. And, as a result, she just doesn't know about that level of trauma. Like she thinks she knows, but he has some like some real scars in there that she doesn't know about. I wasn't necessarily thinking about Angelville, but mostly about like Jesse's father dying. But right, yeah, she yeah. she clearly knows about that stuff. But um, I think it's fascinating that there are these things about Jesse that you would think he would share with the person he loves, the person that he clearly multiple times in his life has thought he'd spend the rest of his life with and yet hasn't brought himself to tell her for whatever reason. And obviously this is just part of trauma. People sometimes have a hard time opening up about these things and even even saying them out loud or facing them is... is Repressed is, is, memories. Right. And, yeah. But then on the other hand, you have the intimacy of all this knowledge in Hairstar's office that he's just listening to as though it's intel because it is. And it allows Jesse, it affords him this moment where he can have a conversation with somebody about it. And he still, yeah. he doesn't. Yeah. Obviously, because Hairstar is, is a stranger, essentially, and also just not a good guy. And trying to manipulate him, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Which, part of the beauty of Hairstar in this show and the way he's portrayed is he is, he almost comes across as like a therapist in that scene. Like, I was as I was mm-hmm. watching it, I was like, man... I want to see Jesse open up to him. And this. I want them to have a conversation. But then I'm like, wait, wait a minute. He's evil. Like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? It's so funny that the, the show can do that. And the great characters and great performances can do that. They can let you, you know, you let your guard down with them. Even like when you're watching Hannibal, sometimes you like kind of root for Hannibal. And you're like, wait, what am I doing? He's oh, Hannibal. Yeah. That's present in the first couple episodes. I'm, I'm watching it right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. You know. You know. <laughs> Which episode are you on? I'm on like three. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like while, while I'm watching him, I'm like, this guy is put together. This guy. He's slick as hell. totally like, like he, the way he's talking to Will Graham. Huge anyway. left turn here. Yeah. Sorry about <laughs> Let's that. Let's go though. Let's go okay. down this road. No, no. Just for done. a second. We're done let's, for let's now. Look. What's funny is I told my dad the other day to watch, uh, to watch Hannibal. And he's like, I was about to say, he's like me. I'm like him in this regard where he's like too stubborn. He's like, nah, it'll never top Anthony Hopkins. And I was like, you say that, <laughs> but you haven't watched it. And I know I do the yeah. same thing all the time. Yeah. So thanks, Dad, for that. Back uh, to hairstyle But anyway, back, yeah, I'll rewind. Uh, <laughs> Alex, don't delete that. <laughs> I know I'm listening to this episode next year and go, hey, where's that Hannibal talk? <laughs> we talked about him. We've been redacted. <laughs> the spin, the spin is out of control. Uh yeah, but anyway, I think it's awesome that we we get to hear all this incredibly personal stuff about Jesse, and we get to see this horrifying trauma that he endured as a kid, and just even a hint of it. And and Tulip doesn't seem to be aware of it, and neither does Cassidy. And so that well, 
obviously Cass doesn't. Yeah. But while in the in that scene, what they say does hold water. Like, yes, they have been sacrificing, so to speak, to be with Jesse. At the same time, uh, what are they really giving up? First of all, like, wh- what do you guys have going on that's better? You're yeah. not, you're, you know, yeah. let's not get on our high horse here. And you know, what? Oh, Tulip stopped uh, killing guys in cornfields. And there's and, nothing stopping them from going and doing things like having a life right really. yeah and i think that the their love for jesse is is obviously on full display here and they're both frustrated by it which i think is is something we all feel at some point or another where your love for somebody sometimes makes you uh angry because you you love them and you're ob- you feel obligated to do something you don't want to you do know they're stuck in a rut and you want to right push them out of it and that's not to say that that even only happens in unhealthy relationships sometimes you do things for people you love that you don't want to do but you do it anyway because you love them uh and that's beautiful there's there's a lot of emotion in this scene and yet all three of them are trying their hardest to suppress it and they're just trying to say their peace and say i'm angry and then but nobody's interested yet in actually resolving anything yeah they all just want to say like i'm mad at you and you and all three of them are doing that. Yeah. And then it eventually comes to the two of them against him as he leaves. And he's like, you're not coming. And they they, they, they draw the line. And yeah. Cass says, what did he say? He's like, he's only after he's you. He's only after you. Yeah. yeah. What if yep. the goes back? I was like, oof. It's nasty. It's yeah. savage, too, because well, Cassidy is... Uh, both of them, both Cassidy and Tulip, uh, after they're talking about heading down to the Caribbean or whatever, they're what, what is it? Bimini. 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 I've never Bimini, heard of that. Yeah. Is that real? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, I don't like the tropics. They, <laughs> they're uh, they're so excited and they're both so lively. And I, I like was probably grinning while I was watching it because it felt good to see all to see them excited again to see all three characters like happy for a moment, even though I knew that the hammer was going to fall from Jesse, but. Everything out of Cassidy's mouth for the next minute is just pure gold. And I was like, oh, this is so good to see them all happy again. But then like, you know, 60 seconds later, they're all it's that that he's only after you. And it's like so sad. And he just like slinks away. I'm extremely curious to see if Sunblock works for Cassidy. It's come a long way. (laughs) Yeah, He said something about that, too. He's like, well, what am I going to do on the beach? Yeah. And then Tulip's like, Sunblock's come a long way since you were a kid, Cassidy. And it's like. I'm. I would be so curious. He just <laughs> slathers himself, and <laughs> he's just like solid white. It's like when people put it on their nose, like a lifeguard or something. Yeah, they just yeah. leave it there. It's they just don't rub his it. Entire in. body. I loved uh, when they were trying to convince Jesse to go anyway, and he goes, "If I was God, that's where I'd be." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. We should go check it out. Yeah. The what you said about the three of them being very damaged people and unable to communicate. That, that like that to me, they're playing it so well that it's difficult for me to watch. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's frustrating though. It's it's how it would feel to try to talk to a family member who is like, you know, even though you love them and you want to help them, you get angry sometimes. You can't help it because you're like, they, yeah. why can't we just talk about this kind of thing? And yeah, and we're watching at times three, and and they're the only three people in the room, so it's hmm. like nothing gets done they just they just stay angry at each other and they don't communicate this is the kind of context that i think is going to like it it allows me to look back at the things that i've been frustrated with in these past episodes and be like it makes sense now Mm -hmm. and and which which is good because i think that that's 
also what time naturally does. That's true. Like you can look back on old conflicts and say like either, wow, that was dumb. Or you could say like, I understand now why that person acted that way. And I know why I acted that way. And maybe it wasn't right, but how about we just both do better tomorrow kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on act two? The fact that the Jesse did make the connection about Humperdoo's drawings. Oh my God. Yeah. And the doc. Uh, yeah. But like, I, I, I guess, do we even really know what maybe it was a coincidence this, or this something? This could be like another that. MacGuffin. Yeah. I really think, uh, it could be, but we talked yeah. about this in like episode one or two of this season. Yeah. Uh, I was, we were saying that there's more significance to that dog than even like, I think it was episode two. Cause that's when the, like the title <laughs> sequence came back or something like that. The dog or was like in the, the title sequence. Episode three, excuse me. Hmm. It was like, yeah, the dog is in the title sequence. So what does that really mean? It was but, that close up that of the face yeah called yeah. a lot seemed to call some meaning to it yep and did it may all still the flashbacks be happen there like because you know what i thought is it, did all did like when he was looking looking at the dog barking and then like flashbacks of the dog yeah. suit and then like the old man holding the tray yes for some reason i thought that was god because like i was like oh like right under your nose like that makes sense but like what i don't understand about it which maybe answered later or answered later in this episode by you guys but um is that everyone else knew that that was God. Because everyone's yeah, like, like, you want to see God? Let's take you down to the dog room. That's what they said, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I, yeah, that, that was kind of the thing. I think I had this exact same question uh-huh. earlier, earlier in the podcast. It was like, why would Jesse ask to see God and be taken down to the sex show? Like, yeah. there's got to be something there. Uh-huh. I don't know. I I well it also almost imply I mean something about the the, the costume and all that it it kind of seems like he's like captive which mm-hmm. doesn't make a lot of sense mm. cuz he's still god right unless he wants to be he wants to be or he all, all those people around him that were working for the dog show or whatever uh are in on it had been influenced by him the same way Jesse can influence to kind yeah. of say like lead lead him here and see if he's able to look past this and see me for who I am kind of thing. Like it's almost a test and Jesse failed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. God moved on. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm really curious to know where they're going with God. I mean, it's kind of the biggest character you can ever <laughs> tackle. So <laughs> yeah, Mark Harlick already gave it his best. <laughs> I tweeted, or I, I, I included him in a tweet yes. and he has not yet oh. responded, but he does not have, very much Twitter activity at all. I yeah. think it is his account, though. Probably. I think so. He's only got like 600 followers or something, <laughs> if that. It's really good. I hope oh, it's Mark I, I hope he gets back to us. Beautiful. We've already had a, our brush with fame with uh, uh, Michael Wincott's agent. Yes. Uh, we're on our Westworld show, <laughs> tweeted at us, because cool. all we did was talk about how good Michael Wincott is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, we did. Um, and we will continue to do so, even absolutely. if he's not even in season two. He mm. better be. Old God Bill, come damn, back. Damn right. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on Act Two? I liked the keep semen away from fur sign that was above the couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty good. All right. Act Three. Um, I wrote a lot here, so I apologize. While the superintendent is polygraphing the fifties woman, because that's all that I know what to call her by. The woman with the pearls and the glasses. Uh, While the superintendent is polygraphing the 50s woman and the caveman is blocking out the camera, Tyler and Eugene badger Hitler into showing his worst memory to them. 
Everything plays out the same as we saw previously until Hitler shows his artwork to the gallery dealer who dismisses it as lacking convention and being bloodless. Hitler returns to his seat when communists break in and try to badger the string quartet into playing uh, their anthem, the Internationale. Uh, they accidentally drop a gun, which Hitler picks up and contemplates using, but he ultimately politely hands it back to them. <clears throat> Disappointed in his inaction, Hitler's lady friend explains that she wasn't actually helping her mother, but instead was out with Schulman having a picnic by the lake, and that she's leaving to go be with him because he knows what he wants. Hitler is let down once more when the Jewish man who knocked into him and ordered after him is given the last plum cake as his worst memory ends. Both Tyler and Eugene misinterpret reasons for Hitler's starting of World War II, but Eugene still asks if Hitler will help him out. Hitler explains that there's a back door, but Eugene is called to be polygraphed uh, as he learns this. Hitler then gathers everyone's attention uh, to get their help. When Tyler condescendingly calls him plump cake and asks why they would listen to him, Hitler then explains, because I'm Adolf fucking Hitler with a non-bleeped F-bomb. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that the first time through. I heard it. Oh, it didn't. It didn't strike you. It did not strike me that it was not bleeped or anything. Yeah. Which maybe has more to say with like I wasn't watching it off of a cable box per se, but uh-huh. yeah. Like if like if it feels like yeah. I'm watching it off of Netflix. Well, it is interesting but. because Breaking Bad had f bombs, but they were muted. They were bleeped, or or um, uh, there was a written one. Uh huh. That was kind of uh, obscure pixelated oh yeah. okay okay in, in like a note so yeah, yeah that's 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 yeah. the crazy thing is that i feel like yeah. the, it's dropping even more now but don't quote me but i think <laughs> cable networks they're you're totally allowed to swear i think they just don't do it just to abide like with the, with the fcc you know yeah like, well and i think i think that like uh because it's after nine o'clock yeah as well south park did that a lot yeah so yeah but it still really caught me off guard. Sure. Because I was like, it caught me off guard the second time, not mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Isn't that funny that that's what's striking about the show is that someone said fuck. Hitler said <laughs> the F-bomb. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the big deal. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I guess not that that's the big deal because maybe it is. Who cares? But mm-hmm. like that's it's funny that that's what makes... That calls attention to itself. Yeah. And like, whoa, yeah. whoa. Maybe now. some of our international <laughs> listeners can can uh, write in because obviously there's the whole fact that in yeah. in in Europe, you know, sure, like la- language language isn't like that much paid attention to, but obviously over here we're very liberal with the violence, whereas they're liberal yeah. with the sex and sure, yeah, like they're like oppositely taboo in yes in media but mm-hmm. so we're back in hell our favorite uh yeah favorite topic so what was i guess here's the thing what what was your guys's reading as to hitler why why this like hitler explains that this was his the last time that he was a good person um some very weird definitions of being good in in the preacher uh, dictionary. <laughs> it's like okay, so if you're like a, a a weakling, like you're good, or like that doesn't necessarily mean you're good. Or uh, like if you if you help someone pick up a marker, you're you're a good person, or that's a good thing to do. It's like eh, I don't know. Yeah, the definition of of goodness seems to be very gray. Yeah, like is what makes somebody good, but. I mean, maybe 
maybe even though he chose pretty much the the path of least resistance every time, even if it was cowardly, it was still it was still better morally than the alternative. Like sure. if he had shot two communists in the restaurant, would everybody have been excited? Yeah. Yeah. Would it have been good? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Maybe. But Hitler. <laughs> I'm still... I wish I had a gif of your face (laughs) (laughs) that I could use on Twitter. (laughs) I don't think I could recreate it. I was genuinely thinking. Uh, Everyone wishes they had a gif of my face (laughs) in in this moment. I'm really still at a weird place with the inclusion of Hitler and trying to make Hitler sympathetic. And I think maybe... I still don't know what he's up to. I still don't trust him. Because there's a line in this episode, everyone knows you can't trust Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) It was really funny. But trying to make him sympathetic, I think, is is just such a interesting project for the for these guys. And I just don't know what they're after. Unless the only thing I can think right now, and, and obviously this show is it's a lot of the puzzle pieces of this season are rapidly falling into place now. So it's kind of like we've been working on this puzzle and we've found all the edges and all the corners and we built, we built that. And now it's just all of a sudden it's making sense and it's falling in. Do I realize this? Analogy? We sorted the pieces by color yes. and then now, and we're now all of a sudden we got a couple in and then just, yep. and we're getting there. We got the rhythm mm-hmm. and we're, we're plugging away at the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could think so far is that, You know, especially with what Hitler says about that's the last day I was good. Uh, maybe the ultimately the one of the big themes of this is going to be that, you know, maybe everyone does deserve forgiveness at some point. Like, is is there any, is there truly any thing that there, any crime or or act or deed that is beyond the point of no return, beyond redemption, at least in the eyes of like the people who matter, i.e. God, you know, according to uh, what Joseph was saying. And, you know, if, and this comes up later, and I'm just going to talk about it now because we're already on the tracks. Uh, When Jesse kind of says, like, you know, he's done bad things and he kind of says to Hair Star something along the lines as well as, like, you've you've done worse things, you kind of thing. Uh, you know, I'm sure you have. Isn't, that's in this episode, right? Where he says, "Like uh, you have, I'm sure you have too, or you've done." Yeah, well, Hairstar Hairstar has the line about like, and you could walk a hundred thousand little old ladies across right. the street for a uh, hundred years. It's not, yeah, yes, yes, it's yes. Not, make up. And then he right. says, "You're going to have to do something big to make up for all the bad that you've done." And like, then Jesse kind of says, "Like I, I have done bad," and he's some something he says to Hairstar, like, yeah. and I'm sure you have, or you, I know you've done worse too. Maybe that was in a previous episode. Anyway. Um, I think maybe Jesse wants to believe because Jesse's done so many bad things too that he wants to believe that maybe there is some redemption for him that he can find his way back and it's just the only thing I can think they're trying to say is that if Hitler can do something good you know it, well, regardless of what he did in his past when he was still good if he has done if he has been Adolf Hitler and can still do something good to try to help somebody, does that absolve him? Not absolve him, but does he deserve to feel good about that? Does he deserve some sympathy? Does he deserve to be congratulated for doing something good? Or does he deserve to be cast back into hell? Does he have to pay 
the full price for what he did according to who you know sort of thing well i don't know this very this is very complicated and and i like the connecting the dots of of hair stars comment of you need to do something big like the idea that hitler would go through the trouble of defying the rules of hell to get somebody out of there that doesn't actually belong there that's that seems like a pretty monumental like redemption. Yeah. Yeah. Which, is, is he doing it because he wants to get into heaven or is he doing it because he thinks it's the right thing to do? I don't, you know I don't I mean? know. These are the, 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 the Hitler thing. It's just, it's making me think it's one of the things that I'm thinking about the most in regards to this show, because as much as I, as the hell storyline is probably my least favorite storyline, the, the hit Hitler the choice Quandary. of using Hitler is, yes, mm-hmm. is what I'm turning over in my head, like yeah. trying to get a bead on what exactly is happening here. And here's the thing. Maybe much like my thinking about the crank noise, maybe we're reading into it too much. Like maybe it's just the, and maybe it was Seth Rogen being like, wouldn't it be funny if Hitler was the one that broke? <laughs> if Hitler's Eugene a good guy. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's, that is true. Yes. Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> but but every choice is a conscious choice. Yeah. And know? every yeah, and, and with yeah. this show, especially with Sam Catlin too, like every decision feels deliberate. Like that's and, true. And every everything seems to have some meaning. So, well, and the literal name of the episode is backdoors. Mm-hmm. Hitler talks about there having a being a backdoor out of hell, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. is is Hitler trying to literally backdoor his way out of hell yeah. and into heaven? Yeah, on a technicality. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. Real quick, I love the titles of this season, by the way, because The Sopranos did that too, where each title episode had multiple meanings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like whenever that that happens, obviously, it mm-hmm. seems like it's very good. Mm-hmm. Man, do I love a good title or what? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I love when episodes mm-hmm. of, of TV shows have really enticing titles or, or something that the meaning becomes clear. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Also very good meaning for uh, the thing that happens at the very end of the episode. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of another yeah. backdoor. Uh, yeah, I thought I was going down a more uh, focused, discern, discernible path with this Hitler thing, but I guess I'm still turning it over. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that, we'll certainly have to revisit it when we know more. It is but. just really interesting because even even his like his worst memory scene, I think we all expected something more definite and we probably all felt the way that, uh, Eugene and popped collar felt when they were watching on kind of like, that's it. Like I felt like it kept going. Like I felt like you thought there was still more. Yeah, I did too. But it, then it, like it just kept on like, it was like another bad thing happens, then another bad thing happens. Yeah, oh, like, oh, it, like I it was see. comically. Like, it, it was almost yeah. too long. Yeah, it yeah. did feel like it took forever. Yeah, and then well, by the very end, just the plum cake, like was the was the last I think instance, right? Yeah, and I even kind of felt the same way initially as Tyler. Is that his name? In, the, like, in the show, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, what a weenie, <laughs> and. Yeah, I just did. Well, I, did so, I really love, I do love from a writing standpoint what Hitler said. Like, yeah, I mean, that was the last day I was good. That's why it's my worst memory because he, like, he knows all the awful things he did now that he's had time to think about his crime, mm-hmm. uh, crimes. And it's a turning point for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. In, but in terms of, like, the, like, I guess when I was trying to answer the question that Tyler and Eugene ask of, like, why did you start World War Two? Like, the woman talks about going to be with Shulman, who's presumably a Jewish person. 
The man who uh, gets the last plum cake is also a Jewish person. Like, but I don't feel like it's him. Like, to me, what rang truer was the fact that she was like, like, obviously, by the way that he reacts to the Jewish man, he probably has some kind of, he's got the Mm anti-Semitic, like, that that is in his person. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, like, the... um, the gallery owner is like, your work has no conviction. It's bloodless. Yeah. And then the woman says, you have to fight for what you want in this world. And then she's also just like, Shulman knows what he wants. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, do you guys think that all of that is like the, like Hitler was basically just like, I'm going to spite you people and show you that I can have conviction. Is that what started World War II for Hitler? Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, he uh, just wanted uh, one of those like, like protesteth too much sort of things where he's he's trying to compensate. He's over, yeah. He's overcompensating yeah. for mm-hmm. things that ultimately you're, yeah. don't matter. But yeah, there was a line. That he had the the his his like friend that he was with was like, oh, don't believe a homosexual or something like that. You know, yeah. Like don't the, the, don't 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 yeah. hang your worth or something uh-huh. like that on a homosexual yeah. speaking of the gallery owner. Yeah. So like all these things just kind of all just kind of piled up, you know, for him maybe at this moment where he was like, was like, fuck the world. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 I don't know if there's too much more to say about that part of hell. Yeah. Not at this point. I think that there's going to be a lot to talk about in the season recap. Yeah. There always is. But in, in regards to this storyline, I'm, I'm very curious to see where it's going to wind up. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then Act 4, Tulip leaves the apartment to go destroy the Saints' weapons with Jenny. Denis realizes Cassidy's feelings for Tulip and suggests that he, quote, take her, unquote, since that is what they do as vampires. But Cassidy gets very concerned and requests the dog back. However, Denis refuses. Jesse meets with Hare Star to ask if he knew that God was the man dog, but Hare Star did not know. He explains that it's not really that Jesse wants God back in his current potentially disenchanted state, but really he just wants forgiveness for killing his father. And it turns out that heaven has backups of people's prayers on reel-to-reel tape. They start listening to Jesse's prayers. The smelter uh, that that Tulip goes to initially refuses to smelt the loaded weapons, and he can't even get them open. Tulip offers to shoot them to unload them, but the trigger won't even budge for her. So Jenny pressures the smelter into attempting to smelt them whole, and he does it anyway. While waiting for the weapons to be smelted, Jenny and Tulip discuss Jesse and the saint. Tulip explains that she actually kind of gets why Jesse lied about the saint and why he's doing what he's doing. Jenny pivots to wondering where the saint is, but Tulip mostly dismisses it. Finally, the smelter pulls the gun out whole from the molten metal and drops it in Tulip's hands to show that it's cool to this touch, despite being in, 4, 000, in a 4,000 degree oven. All right, uh... Denis and Cassidy, obviously we know that's headed somewhere bad. We we kind of, Nick, you're already theorizing that maybe he's turned many people already. We did, uh, Bruce wrote in a little bit about the fact that rules for turning have been, you know, biting somebody or draining somebody completely or biting somebody and then having them drink vampire blood. Those are yeah. kind of like the main modes of making that happen but we don't really know which one is true in this this episode or yeah, in, the, in, the, in this show Dennis definitely seems to think we do what we want kind yep. of thing 
I did have a note that the uh, I understand why they cast uh, that guy to play Dennis now because he when he enters the room with that little dog under his arm, his little swagger he's got going on, I was like, God, he looks like Cassidy. <laughs> like the, the way he's wearing his shirt and like the look in his eye, I was like, he's doing his best impression of Cassidy. It's very good. Like I, I really was like struck by it. Yeah, his posture and the way he just kind of saunters in there, all cool. That's awesome. I was like, that's really good. That was a great scene. I love those little neck translators they wear. Those scenes are yeah, so fun. That to was watch. hilarious. The the. Even wow. Denny turns it on to say "Wow,", wow. <laughs> yeah, says "Wow" funny. back, and then yeah, that that's a that's a that was a great little like subtle piece of comedy that yeah, and un- underneath something dramatic yeah, was, uh, and then the scene ends with like a Cassidy like getting really pissed at him and yeah. like demanding the dog, and then we never really see where that goes. Not yet, yeah. And I was really curious because it seemed like they were going to fight. Like I was like, oh shit! Like Cassie's yeah. had enough of Dennis's crap. It's a it's a parenting thing to do. It's like, well, no, you don't get that now. It's like you 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 want to argue with me? You don't get that now because he gave him the dog as a gift. That's interesting. Yeah. I was <laughs> for some reason I was thinking like like in this universe maybe they can turn animals into vampire animals. <laughs> like, is he going to make a vampire dog? Oh, okay. God. Maybe. But that's probably not true. Yours makes more sense. Let's hope not. Yours yeah. Makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That definitely seemed like it came to a to a nasty place for a second. Like we're going to come back to that. Like for some reason, it felt to me that Cassidy realized Denise's intentions with the dog or something like that. But I don't. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I don't know what that would be. Yeah, we'll see. But I I really liked that exchange. I like I like the idea that like that's what we do. Like, yeah. We take what we want. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Cassidy in love with Tulip, yeah. 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 And denying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Denise complete misinterpretation of what you should do with that love. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see where that goes. We'll see where that um goes. So then we get a little bit of hair star stuff, of course. Uh I like that Jesse called him the man dog. Mm-hmm. God was the man dog. Um yeah, I guess we're going to talk about it more with with the prayer tapes. What what was next in the recap? Uh, that was a that was a big one. What was after? It was a big Denny, one. was it the smelter? Et smelter, yeah. Well, the yeah. First part. The hair star happens a little bit in between. Okay. So, uh, but we'll come back to that more later on. Um, the smelter won't won't smelt those loaded weapons, of course, which is a good rule of thumb. Good but, policy. Yeah, but the idea that the saints' weapons don't burn, melt. They don't even get hot. Yeah, they, they don't, don't even get hot. Heat. Although, like, and, but that's the weird thing is that obviously when Jesse would, like, touch the bullets, I don't know, was that because they were just recently fired or was it because... They have hellfire, hell properties? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that scene was cool. That, that was a neat, neat detail. You know, uh, Featherstone, so she, she goes through three different manipulation tactics in a row, bam, 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 mm-hmm. and all of three of which are pretty clever. And Tulip doesn't seem to like be like yeah. you, you little quiet, quiet as a mouse. Jenny from the end of the hall, like knows how to extort someone this hard like that. Some red flags flying all over the place. And Tulip seems to just kind of be. Well, she's dropped the fact that Jenny called her on the on uh, stealing cars in Dallas. 
as well from yeah. the previous episode. Yeah, so, she covered herself pretty well. Uh, yeah, like it's which like, was ingenious. Yeah, yeah. And that was very cool. But may, I don't know. Maybe Tulip just needs a friend at this point, and she just is willing to overlook it. And yeah. Tulip's probably also thinking like, some you know, who am I to judge? You know, look look at me. You That's know, she true. hangs out with some some types, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to, so to, it's a nasty thing for Featherstone to prey on. But we know she's a piece of work. We yeah, we see Featherstone sitting there trying to continue to just drive these wedges in, and then she like realizes that the Jesse thing's going nowhere because Tulip's kind of like, well, I kind of understand what's going on. Yeah, that was such a relief. Like, I was so happy to see a little shade of old Tulip come in there, even the way she kind of carries herself in that moment. You know, her little head moves she does. <laughs> she's like, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, like. I, I would do the you same do, thing. You do a great tulip impression. That's, that's, that's awesome. great. Yeah, Thank that's you. Good. Thank you, guys. Yeah. That means a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, just those little those little quirks she has. They. She was walking through this show like a zombie for a few episodes in a row there, and so it's nice to see her kind of come back a little bit. And mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, that's. The glimpses of the old the old gang we saw in this episode were so enticing. I yeah. just want to see them come back, and I. I, we're not headed for that, I don't think. So yeah, it was. It makes we it uh, still haven't hit bottom, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and, and then obviously uh, Featherstone pivoting to be like, well, you know, the saints out there. Like she's just trying everything to be like, yeah. And that's the thing. It's so it's so apparent. It seems so transparent to us. And I'm like, come on, Tulip, you're smarter than this. Yeah, you're smarter than Jesse and Cassidy. <laughs> let's, let's get together here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other thoughts here? Uh, there were there were some shots. So the, the when Hairstar is pulling out the tape recorder, of course, uh, there's a shot that I've noticed. I noticed it a lot in American Horror Story, but they've been doing it in this show too, where you yep. get the extreme the close split up. diopters. Yes. Yep. Yeah. What is that? A split diopter. How does that work? <laughs> it's a piece of glass that you put in front of a lens. Uh, to usually it's actually so it's like a filter so you're like swapping focal lengths like are you are you you are magnifying something essentially it works kind of like a magnifying glass or, or almost like a bifocal okay. or like a corrective lens so basically uh if it's like a circular filter like this half of it will be empty yeah just the wireframe of it and then the other half is the piece of glass to a varying thickness depending on what you're trying to achieve so one half of your frame will be whatever lens you have on there just shooting straight through, and the other half is a piece of glass in front to put something that's extremely close focus in focus. So you're essentially cheating because lenses all have a minimum focus. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a minimum uh, distance you can be for something to be in focus. Uh, you're essentially cheating that. So you can... And all just the mechanics of lens. I mean, even if you have a lens stopped all the way down and you have the greatest depth of field possible you still can't have your background and your foreground in focus yeah. unless you're on a very wide lens and you've compressed the space enough. Yep. But a split diopter basically lets you cheat that. They don't use them a lot in modern stuff because you can see, you can you see, can the, see blur. the line. Yeah. But Jaws has a lot of split diopter shots that are really cool. Uh, lots of old films do. There's actually a big list and a big article I read a while ago about them that was really neat. I think Lord of the Rings Horror did Story. it. What's that? Lord of the Rings did it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like a lot cleaner though. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if they cleaned up the, the blurs in post or what, mm. but American Horror Story Season 2 does it a ton, and it's so cool because yeah. you can get very close. It allows for really crazy perspectives. And sometimes it's just for practical effect, like, okay, I want to have both these things in focus, but sometimes it's uh, 
it's for you know you want to have something extreme like which season of American Horror Story are you still on one? Uh, I mean we wa- we watched Coven which is three. Oh okay okay I think yeah yeah so that was where I, like that that was the first show where I really noticed it happening so it's kind of weird to me that it's kind of like you haven't watched season one yet or you we watched a little bit of okay it. oh man but it has so happened in that too. season two of American Horror Stories where they really start to find their like aesthetic where yeah. they start using really wide lenses. And lots of like steady cam and split diopter stuff. Like they use crazy wide lenses. Season two is where they really start to, and okay. then it carries throughout the show, uh, which I think is really, really cool. There's a ton of it in season five also. But anyway, yeah, I actually had a note about that because I saw it right away and I was like, oh, that's cool. They're doing that. <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, I, I, I was very interested to, to ask you about it. So thank you very much for explaining. But it, yeah, I love, man, I, there, there are so many moments in the show where I'm like, the cinematography is just so rad. Yeah. It's so cool. There's stuff that I'm like, you know, they don't have, they don't have to do it. That's the best part. They don't have to, they want to. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just fantastic. To, I think Sam Catlin brought some of that from, from his Breaking Bad days because Vince Gilligan's yeah. a very, uh, c- cinematographically curious person, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously, like knows his stuff and wants to do yeah. interesting things. And they hire the directors that want to like they want to figure play. out. Yeah, they, they and w- that's what separates real artists from just workmen. Yeah, and not that there's anything wrong with that. There's you know a good strong director who can tell a story well and not have to get visually crazy, but. You know, there are those certain directors and DPs who want to strive to like really make something that visually stands apart. And this show consistently since season one has done that. It's had just really dynamic stuff. And I think it's just phenomenal. So just in like a little bit more on the technical side, in that shot of Hair Star and Jesse, do we actually have Star closer to the camera? Um, or is he actually closer to Jesse, but the image is magnified to keep them at the same? He's focal. probably he's probably closer to the camera than he normally would be, at least. And and they may have blocked his shots so that like, if this is the camera shooting this way, he's here and he walks this way. Yeah, he may walk slightly away from the camera. But although he he probably, if you go back and watch it, he probably goes out of focus when he crosses the frame because okay. I know he's in he's in focus there, and then he crosses like he goes to the left. Yeah, and he uh, probably falls out of focus when he crosses over the middle of that diopter. Okay. But I don't know for sure. Because you I do, you do see the line yeah. where, where it's yeah basically not focused. Yeah. Well, hopefully listeners enjoyed that. Yeah, there's... Corner. By, by all means, and this is going to probably be mentioned more than once, but watch American Horror Story if you haven't. It's yeah. so awesome. But season two in particular, I love season two, but a big part of it was because they really started to push themselves visually. And there's some crazy stuff in season two. Yeah. Uh, and including then, James Cromwell. <laughs> yeah, he's in it. Yeah. Oh yeah, beautiful. Yeah, he is. Uh, and the last thing I want to mention that the the smelting place is called Mario's Smelt Shop with the tagline "You dealt it, we smelt it." <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I saw a. Uh, John truck go by a couple weeks ago and I, it just stands on my memory <laughs> that they're on the side of the truck it said yesterday's meals on wheels oh god this is in real life oh wow and I was like oh that's oh, fantastic oh man 
Good for them. It's a good way to be memorable. You gotta own it. Yeah, own it, man. Oh, absolutely. You know what you do. All right, Act Five. I actually forgot to write the little recap here, so I'm gonna do it a little bit on the fly. Let's see how good I am at this. Uh, Eugene gets uh, examined by the superintendent, and then obviously they get distracted by Hitler's kumbaya distraction back in the uh, in in the bunk room. Uh, Hitler shows up into the office to open up the hole because the back door is down in the hole and he pushes Eugene and follows him in. Tulip attempts to send the weapons to Brazil in a mailbox and ultimately <laughs> fails because the sword sticks there and through the mailbox. Although I, we didn't follow up on that. I don't really know what's right, going on. Where they're going to go. I have um, a feeling the saint is kind of attuned to them. So I think he might. Oh, come he's gonna, back. he's gonna, he's gonna tear the back out of that yeah, mailbox yeah. or the mail truck or something. I'm, I'm into willing, Thor's hammer territory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm willing to be. He's not just gonna go like this. <laughs> flying to him, which would be the shit. He just <laughs> comes out of the truck and thrusts his hands in the air, and the pistols fly through the windows, and the sword just finds its sheath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they shoot it real shitty. They like pull it out with a string, and they just. Play it backwards, <laughs> so oh, it awkwardly God. just shoots in. That would be wonderful. I, w- I would do. It, it just looks like an action. This figure. is why we're not shooting this show. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> These are our ideas. <laughs> yeah, and Graham McTavish starts with the pistols and throws them away, and they just <laughs> play the shot in reverse, so he oh, catches man. them. That's that's great. That's what they should uh, do. So we did get to see Jesse actually listening to some of his prayers, including things like "Forgive me for sassing my daddy," which was my favorite for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, forgive me for shooting that Komodo dragon was also a good one as well. Call back. <laughs> uh, but then also, uh, we get hairstyle. I did write down the quote. He said, I imagine you could take a hundred thousand little old ladies and walk them across the street for a hundred years. That still wouldn't make up for what you did. Uh, I'm fairly certain the quote you were talking about is actually in there. I just can't remember what it was. Yeah. I can't remember if it was this week or last week where... He said he basically says like you've you've done worse because it may have been in the car too. He may have said like is it a lot of bad things you've probably done more than I have or something like that. I, anyway, oh, yeah, it in, was in explaining why he shouldn't take over for God or something like. Uh, no, yeah. I don't know. It's in there somewhere. Then we also cut back to the swamp. We get the coffin coming out of the water once again. The older woman asks Jesse what his name is. He finally says Jesse Langell, and then the older woman says and, and Jesse says thank you God. For killing my father and bringing me home. She reveals that she's Jesse's grandma. And that they're at the Angelville Gator Tours. So. uh, Nasty. A few more things to start. Uh, Obviously went through a lot of trouble. Jesse notices that. Uh, But Jesse uses the word to make Star shove the tapes up up his ass. Speaking of that other back door. Uh, and then Jesse exits the office and tries to use the word to get out, but it doesn't work until the third try, mm-hmm. which is curious. And then finally we get Hoover talking to, uh, talking to the saint in the Sakosha and then booking it out of the, out of the Sakosha yeah. before the saint comes out. Hauling ass out of there. Yes. All right. So I don't think at this point we care about Eugene. We'll come back to it when we know more. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, there's really nothing to say. Um, Jesse listening to his prayers. And th- so, Hair's star ultimately. Wait, there, f- there there may be something there. Hold on. Isn't, uh, I feel like there's something from Dante's Inferno or 
some other similar work where talking about the the way out of hell. Oh man, this is gonna drive me nuts because it just popped in my head. Like the way out of hell or the road out of hell or something is like the hardest the hardest part. Like actually the lowest circle or something. Yeah, like, like actually the pathway out is like worse than hell itself or something like that. Like you have to be strong enough to get through that in order to get out. Oh man. Yeah, that may that I mean that obviously makes sense, but I don't Damn it, it's gonna drive me nuts. You'll have to you'll have to think about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have Come to look it up to it next and week. do some research. But anyway, yeah. is it uh, long is the way and hard that hell that out of hell lead? Mm-hmm. That's probably it. Yeah, says John Milton, Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost. There it is. Uh, yeah, because that exact quote is in. It's in another movie. Oh no! Wait. Long is the way and hard that out of hell leads up to light. Yep. Oh man, it's in. A, it's it's heavily featured in another movie. Uh, this is suck. All right. Anyway. <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up and figure it out. But uh, yeah, so I have a feeling like the worst is yet to come for those guys. Like, in, And Hitler knows, like he's kind of, I think he's braced for it, but or as best you can be, but Eugene is going to like have some, some heavy shit yeah, to go if through. They're, if they're in the hole with the extrapolator together, mm-hmm. like what is that going to put them through? I right, guess and, we'll and how are they going to forge ahead to get out? Yeah. Um, Thanks, Lance, for getting on that. Yeah. Figuring yes. that out. So then, uh, is, is it is, from seven? Oh God, it's gonna drive me crazy. <laughs> it is from seven. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it was written in like one of the journals. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right, all right, all right. seven podcasts next week. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hairstar and Jesse listening to the tapes. I like the Joseph's idea, like that. The idea that the idea that our prayers are on a tape somewhere is an incredible violation of privacy. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But yeah, because it doesn't get more private than that. I no. mean, your own mental thoughts, even yep. if you don't say them aloud. Well, yeah, but I don't know that there's too much else to say. The It's awesome and it's on tapes. Yeah. I yeah. actually I had a note that said the Grail belongs in the John Wick universe because mm-hmm. there's something very like analog the and, and everything. tactile well, about uh, everything they use. And it goes okay. along with what like Mike and several other people have written in saying like a lot of the technology surrounding heaven is very Pretty analog antiquated. and antiquated yeah. in some way. The phone, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. I love the voices changing. I thought that was really cool. That was very yeah. cool. That's, that's, again, that's another thing that they they really didn't have to do. They could have gotten, they could have separated all of them, I'd say. But they the fact that they edited them all together and made you think that was from different times. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Like it could, it could have just been, they could have just led up to the point where Jesse said it because he was still a kid when he, when, when that prayer came in. Here's but. a question I had. Do you think, I actually was curious. I'm like, so do these prayers get to heaven and are they sorted and like the important ones pushed forward to God or even more importantly, do the prayers even get to heaven or do the, do prayers go to the grail and the grail then hands the, is the grail a temp agency for heaven basically? And they handle that kind of stuff and then, you know, push it up where it needs to go. I didn't think it was that like the way that, that star kind of describes the need to back up to have a backup. Like he's like, he's, he mentions we need to have a backup so that, or they needed to have a backup to make sure that nothing fell through the cracks. That's kind of what he said. I think it was 
this is somehow heaven's backup that the grail is able to attain somehow. <laughs> that was how I read it. Yeah, because God, there's so many people on earth that lived and said prayers, God at some point couldn't answer all the prayers. So like they got recorded to when God could get to them. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. I'm curious how the whole thing works. Yeah. Once I, again, I just, one of those things that we might not get explained. Yeah, but it and be. it doesn't need to be. I yeah. was just curious, like, do these prayers go to the grail first and then find their way to heaven? Or does heaven, like, hand off their work? Like, is, is the grail an off-site backup for them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or does heaven receive them and then hand them to the grail for sorting and say, you know, people need to listen to these? And That's possible. Yeah, they need. They just need warm bodies listening to these to know is what's it important. Is like, um, oh, man, what's the name of that movie with Greg Kinnear? He works in the he works in the dead letter department of the post office. Oh dear God! Is it called Dear God? It's called Dear God, by the way. I didn't say Oh dear God just because <laughs> I don't like the movie. I do like the movie, but it's called Dear God. Okay, that's what I thought. But then I thought that was the movie with uh, uh, it was a super old dude, George Burns. Is oh, that Oh God? Called oh God! Oh God! And then I think there's a sequel, Oh God, book two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dear God, are you familiar with this movie, Alex? No, I'm not familiar, but apparently Toby Huss is in it, so that's another. AMC oh, Alex connection. is watching it now. <laughs> yeah, it's basically Greg Kinnear works. Uh, he gets like a job. He's kind of a loser, and he gets a job at the post office working in like the dead letter department, where like the Santa, the letters to like Santa and God and the Tooth Fairy, they all go there to be like. And then they have to figure out what to do with them or, the, or they throw them away or whatever. But he starts answering some of the ones mm. to God to like tell, to give people advice or like maybe make them feel better. Cause he's like, maybe I can, he, it, it comes from like a, a place of like good intent. He's very well intentioned, yeah. but it quickly like <laughs> devolves, it gets out of hand and <laughs> yeah. turns into this thing. It's it a sounds funny movie. great. Yeah. It's a great concept. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. It's actually the kind of movie where I would not mind it being remade. Okay. Like something like that, I think could actually be really poignant uh, today. But instead, they remake, you know, yeah. Repo Man or whatever they're doing. Remaking next. Hellboy, you know that? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm down for that. I don't think they're remaking Hellboy. They're they're making another Hellboy. <laughs> okay. You, you, you know. Do <laughs> 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 you want to give for that face too? <laughs> I just want to cut that noise out and and make it a text noise. Or we. Something. Uh, I love Hellboy. I have a lot of I have a lot of feelings about this new movie. I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. But anyway, that's email, email, email g2tpodcast at gmail.com if you want to talk to Nick about Hellboy. Yeah, let's do it. Just just tweet. Let's just tweet about it. Uh, and then I, I guess Angelville, that connection there. I, I Mike wrote in and was kind of like, that was the other big reveal that I wanted you, that, that I was expecting. Like, to me, it wasn't even really a reveal. Like, because Jesse had looked at that Angelville sign, I was like, Angelville, Langell, like I, it didn't even seem like a question to me, really. Which is, yeah, is that what is that the reveal he was talking about? Yes. Okay, I thought he meant the god dog, the man dog. No. Okay. So, like that to me, for some reason, like I don't know, it just kind of like it didn't seem like that big of a reveal to me. So, yeah. Any any thoughts on on the reveal of no? Angelville I, I, I agree, but I think we. We kind of pounced on that pretty early on. Like yeah. You you connected the dots on your own. Yeah. But. Um, Gator tours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, alligators terrify me. <laughs> yeah. I hope we don't see any alligators. We'll see. There were there was a shark. One of the images on the TV was a shark, and I thought of you. Oh I yeah, it. I don't like sharks either. Yeah. Actually, I saw a GIF earlier today of a 
oh, second Grand Theft Auto reference of the podcast. <laughs> just a gif of somebody. It was like a Grand Theft Auto player in the ocean and like a shark comes at him and oh, like swims by. And I sent it to Gojo and I was like, is this a thing? And he said, it's single player. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God. And I said, I had no idea. Had I known... And he goes, that's why no one plays single player. <laughs> there's sharks in it. That's funny. But I was like, it looks so real like in the video game. And I was just like, if I, if I had been in the ocean, if I had been playing that game and been in the ocean, and uh, so I, I would have I ran out of the room. Mm-hmm. The controller would have been through the wall, and I'd be gone. Wow. Down the block. Yeah. Sharks and, and gators, man. <laughs> wow, we might see some. Give me the mm-hmm. willies. Could, I think that's could, all for could this Could Jesse episode. use the word on a gator? Can you right. use the word on animals? Yeah. Probably not. I don't know if there's any precedent for that. I understand. Do they have souls? Yes. Do they speak English? <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's a big one. Bigger question. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, what if, what if Jesse uses the word on, on somebody who doesn't understand English? What about a parrot? Would it work on a parrot? <laughs> if he said the word to, to a, a parrot, parrot and the would parrot, the parrot repeated, be able to use the word on yeah. somebody. <laughs> okay, so can we, oh wait, oh wait, before you before you're done, if so Jesse yeah, recorded the word using the word on on those secretaries. It didn't work until the third time. Like, what's going on? You know? Yeah, yeah. So I totally yeah, that was a little. I'm glad you brought that up. Did, was he using it the first two times? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I was a little. I think he was to trying me. to like at least they put some effect on the voice. Yeah. Okay. If you watch the subtitles, it says like echoing. Okay. Oh, if he so. had red eyeballs, this wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> right. right. Show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on there. It feels a little bit like a spy, like a like a like a Spider-Man Two situation going on where he loses. <laughs> Loses the ability to use the word for some reason. That's awesome, but because uh, we know it works on Star. But I have, I think, I don't know. Are the minions soulless? <laughs> we're 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 kind of. I'm kind of late to this, but I, I I wanted to mention it before. But I every time I see Star's face when the word is used on him, I'm thinking that it's not working. He's playing along with it. Yes, that's, that's what I'm thinking. That's a great point because he like it's it's very yeah. blatantly like yeah. even when you as you were saying that I thought yeah. back to Jesse asking him about the man dog mm-hmm. and, and, and he, he just kind of you know how everyone else reacts to the word they're like oh my god like you just did that to me like like yes. i have no control like when tulip they was pushed out of the too. room but star doesn't move very much and i'm like he could be that's an awesome theory except he's still cramming tape ribbon up his ass that's... you know all while jesse's not there while he's not there yes but you know what he may be trying to experience something <laughs> He also maybe try. He's, he's like, you know, maybe I should do this. It may just be that I mean, Hairstar didn't really react to being raped, so maybe he just maybe isn't a guy star. who reacts very much. <laughs> yeah, that would like, be cool though. Back in the Messiah, when he saw the Messiah, he was like, "Did you know?" or something like that, and and then he says, "No, I didn't." And then and then Jesse uses the word, and then he's like, "No," like it's very calm. Well, thinking, but here's the other thing: is that every time Jesse's using it on him. He's telling the truth the first time that yes. Jesse asks, there you go. too. Yeah. He's just, so maybe it's just, not, it's just not the answer Jesse wants, but yeah. it turns out it's the truth. Yeah. He says, wait, he asks him, did you know? And he says, no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. How does he say it? He says, what? How does he say it? No. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I just don't want to go a week without hearing <laughs> answers. <laughs> answer 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 answer. yeah. It came no, through in that one I word. I didn't. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> He's so good. He says something good to this to Hoover in the beginning of the episode. Something like, make sure you're not the man. Or something like, he's like, what, is, what does he say? Something like, you're the only man that's around. But do I have to, 
I don't know. He's yeah. It's 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 kind of a it. It's a line. Oh 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 yeah! Right right at the end. Right right as Hoover's walking out. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah. I think he basically said, like, didn't he kind of basically say, make sure you're not the last man standing? Make sure you're not the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was good. Yeah. Hair star's so good. Mm-hmm. All right, we've gone extremely long. Hella long. Yes, so once yeah, again. These these next two are probably going to be long. Too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's a lot, I know. a lot happening. Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on G2TPodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also on TV Time, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We're G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at G2TPodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. We did just record a Midwest Film Nerds episode about The Dark Tower and many other movies that came out this year, so please go check it out. Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread and is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. And that's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of Preacher brings, but until then, go forth and speak the good word.